Welcome back. It's your boy, Qbox, your musician, artist, podcaster, host, whatever you want to call me. Does not matter. But I'm reviving the podcast uh, for today's episode. Um, I planned originally to have um, kind of an explanation of my album, but I've kind of lost track of that, been busy with other things, but... I needed to revive this for one particular reason. And if you haven't seen the title already, well, here it is. Currently, it is October 29th, 2021. Um, and there are two days left until the supposed Rage in Peace album by Wilson, W-I-L-S-X-N, uh, comes out. Comes out Halloween. Um now, this isn't an album review just yet. I will be doing an album review in this episode, but I wanted to kind of preface that ahead of time um, to give a bit of history about uh, my preemptive rating of this album, even before it comes out. Um, there's a lot to unpack with Wilson and who he is and the history surrounding Rage and Peace, this album. Um, so... Today's episode is going to be kind of like a half and half, where I'll be talking right now, and I'll be talking two days from now about the album, and uh, yeah, we'll just get right to it. And as always, uh, thank you for listening to the Note Extraction Podcast. need to make sure I preface this entire episode with this statement. Um, I have no intentions of trying to ruin anybody. I have no intentions of um, downplaying anything, but uh, really this entire episode is supposed to be me putting down all the information that I have garnered from uh, my experiences uh, with Wilson, uh, my friend's experiences with Wilson, all that sort of thing. Um, and just my opinions on everything about it, the, him and this album, uh, and the history that I know. Um, so please, I, I appreciate it if you would take this as me kind of either ranting and then also reviewing, um, cause that's kind of what it's supposed to be. And in no way is this episode supposed to harm anybody. The, these podcasts are never supposed to harm anybody. These are just my reviews. And this is coming from my perspective. So just wanted to preface this with that. Well, where do I even start with this? And I mean this in a very negative connotation. <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's just a lot. I myself have not um, interacted with Wilson too much. In fact, he, he wanted to be on this podcast. He had asked me about it, um, uh, if I would want to interview him. I turned it down because I, I don't, I don't know him. You know, I don't know him like that. And I don't like his music. Um, this is back in April 5th. The only DM he ever sent to me is, you know, I was taking in requests of, uh, who would want to be on the podcast. He slid up and said, do me, let me speak my mind on some. 
and I responded by saying I'll consider it, and that's that's it. Um, but that's kind of the extent of our, uh, yeah, our conversation. It was only just a few words, but, um, well, we have a bunch of events that have happened this past year pertaining Wilson, um, and the overall aesthetic he puts out as an artist. Um, you know, okay, I'm, I need to figure out where I want to start with this thing because it's, there's just so much, there's a lot of things that I need to unpack. Um, let's see, I guess first, what you should know about Wilson is that, you know, let's just, let's look surface level. All right. If we look at Wilson as an artist, currently he's in CHH, he's, um, what people call him the Christian Travis Scott. And for a good reason. Um, his sound is very glimmery, very uh, reverberated, like delay going on. He he tries his best to mimic Travis Scott. Um, and I mean that in every aspect. I mean, not just musically, fashion-wise, the way he posts, the way he does uh, music rollouts, the way he presents himself is very, very heavily inspired by Travis Scott. Um, now... With that being said, there are a couple differences I need to um, to notate. Um, for example, Little Limbo, my best friend. You know, I'm I'm looking at this as, at the most objective lens possible. Limbo, yeah, he had an interview yesterday. He was doing an interview yesterday with uh, with a music reviewer. Uh, I want to say I don't really know who the guy is, but really great interview that. Uh, He's a great interviewer. I don't I don't remember his uh, Instagram or anything, but um, the one thing that stuck with me about what Limbo had said is that uh, when he was asked like what are your inspirations and like how do they apply to your music, he had obviously said like Cardi. Now he makes it apparent that he wants to be like Cardi. He said it verbatim. He wants to he wants to portray himself like Cardi. He is so enamored with the vamp aesthetic that he wants to fit in with that. And he said that even though maybe I didn't, I, I didn't say it verbatim like he did, but that's what he said. He came out and said, I want to fit this aesthetic. So my music will reflect this. Now, Wilson, on the other hand, is the opposite. He has decided that because he wants to present himself like Travis Scott, he won't own up to the fact that he's inspired by it. If you understand what I mean, because it, it makes like, it, it's almost angering the way he goes about it where it's like, you're trying so hard to be someone that you're not and you're not doing it right. And you're not admitting that you're trying, you're, you're literally ripping off somebody. There's, 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 uh, there's integrity in being inspired by, and being directly influenced by another artist, but there's no integrity in doing the same thing and not admitting it when asked. Um, even though it's quite obvious. Um, so that's the first thing I want to put that out there. His The way he presents himself as an artist. Um, not only do I personally think uh, his music is garbage, um, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Music is music, whether you like it or not. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, subjective. It never is it objective. You could think Wilson's music is great. 
I'm cool with that. I, I'm personally saying I think it's terrible compared to uh, what he's inspired by. Because Travis Scott, you can't beat him. You can't beat him compared to uh, Wilson. Um, so obviously, the alternative is there, but I'd rather listen to the main source. Um, but uh, let's see. The way he dresses, you know, I mean, he, he's put up some posts of him wearing those what is it like graphic t-shirt face masks with holes in them directly inspired by Kanye and Travis Scott, uh, collaboratively and playboy Cardi. Uh, they're all in that same wave. Um, it doesn't look hard knowing what I know about him. Um, it's obviously ripping off, not directly inspired by it's just ripping off and trying to seem like you're on the same level as these triple a artists. Um, and uh, let me explain some events before I go into the Rage and Peace track list and the history around it. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on a couple of things about Wilson's character. Um, so back in uh, when was it? I want to say it was like well, sometime during the summer. I don't remember when it happened, but it was a Rage and Peace concert that was happening, and um, a lot of things happened. Uh, that were very strange, and I'll get to it later about contradicting contradicting uh, financial things. Um, what had happened is uh, Wilson had invited Limbo um, and a bunch of other artists like Kyoto's Nightmare, Caleb777, uh, and a bunch of other people to go perform at the Rage and Peace concert. Now, the Rage and Peace concert, he had put out like a bunch of promo for it, pretty nice rollout for announcing this concert in, in uh, Orlando, Orlando, Florida. And he was saying it was going to be uh, a rager. It was going to be this so cool. There is an admission fee um, and it will be at a venue and such. Uh, it's going to be a dope show. And we're like, okay, well, that will be cool. Uh, he had created a group chat with Limbo and it. Keep in mind, I'm always talking to Limbo and he gave me all sorts of information about what went on in the group chat of artists, including uh, Wilson. At the time, he was called Jack Asher, which is a direct influence of the Cactus Jack brand. That's another thing about the uh, portrayal of himself as an artist and his aesthetic. Um, just another check mark, you know? Uh, in the group chat, they had mentioned, not they, I mean, Wilson had said that he will be renting out a, an Airbnb, getting an Airbnb for all the artists to stay at uh, for the show or the weekend that they'll be staying over in Orlando. And all, all is well. All the artists had to do was get there, like pay for a plane ticket, go drive there, however close you are, whatever. So Limbo, uh, because I personally couldn't go, I wanted to, but I think I was in Alabama with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and so I wish I could have gone but it's it's cool. Uh, Limbo had brought Suki, uh, our homeboy Suki, another like best friend of his, great friend of mine, um, because it'd be fun. And uh, so they went. First thing that happens when they get off the plane is Wilson picks them up and tries to drop them off at his grandparents' house. Now, put yourself in that position, okay? You were told that you were going to be given uh, a room 
in an Airbnb with a bunch of other artists, right? And then the the guy that is arranging everything decides to, okay, wait, I'm not doing the Airbnb and I'm not telling anybody. I'm just going to put these guys where the second best option is. Put them at the grandparents' house. No parents' house. Not even his place. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what his situation's like, but puts him in his grandparents' place. Limbo and Suku are like, no, F that. And they went and that night got themselves a hotel. Off the jump, not a good start. Um, then time comes around. You know, they're enjoying uh, Universal Studios. Um, then, you know, it's cool, whatever. It's Florida, it's Orlando. Go experience some stuff. Then time comes for the concert. When the concert comes around, um, a lot of things are going wrong where the admission or like the amount of people that came was mostly artists. There were maybe five to 10 people that were not performing. Um, but second off, it was at a church. It was at his church. The venue was. Now, me being a person who is in the business, do you understand how easy it is to get a bar or to get some sort of venue that is not a church for a rager? Do you understand the conflicting aesthetics of a church and a rager? Do you really think it's smart to host a rager at a church like your hometown church? That right there is the most cringe thing I have witnessed or even heard about in the past year of ever happening to any of my friends, hosting a rager at a church. Not only that, but because there weren't enough people to cover the, like, cover the venue fee, that sort of thing, Wilson went and asked all the artists for $50 to $70 each uh, so he could cover it. Um, and a lot of people didn't pay because that's, that is the most egregious thing you would think as an event organizer, you'd have all this stuff handled where, uh, yeah, sure. It's a risk hosting something, but you're not supposed to do that. That's the most disrespectful thing to an artist that you invite where they paid their own ticket to come to your concert to perform for free for you and ask them for money. Do you, I hope y'all are understanding how egregious this is. And at the same time, Wilson had been yelling at the artist before and during the concert. Even after, Homie was being an a-hole to all of the artists. If I had Limbo with me right now, he would tell you all about it, but I don't right now. Um, golly, Homie was uh, yelling at um, everybody to like pull out their phones, use the flashlights when obviously the energy wasn't there. Um, and from multiple accounts, including Kyoto's Nightmare, uh, Caleb777, and um, Suki especially, uh, apparently Limbo was the most lit there. Kyoto's Nightmare had a great set as well, um, but he felt he wasn't prepared completely, uh, or at least his set list was a bit weird. He kind of did a soft song before a rager. Uh, and then another soft song after that. And so he was kind of out of energy for the third song, whatever. Um, but I, I bet it was a really good set though. Um, but the energy was kind of surrounding limbo at the time where Wilson's set was 
nothing compared to Limbo's. Where was the energy with Wilson? And he was yelling at everybody to get hyped. And I, I, I don't mean like Cardi scream, you know, let's get everyone hyped at Lollapalooza. I'm talking about this is a church and you're yelling at all the patrons of your event that aren't hyped about your set to get hyped. That's a bit cringe, man. That's not realizing kind of the energy of the room. Um, let's see. You know, I, that, that's just the concert that happened. That was in promotion of his album months and months in advance of this release date. Now, another thing that happened was a beef between Judo Sammy as well as Wilson. It was a short-lived beef over Twitter. I don't exactly remember what happened, but Wilson had started all this and Sammy did choose to come back after I had told him like, hey, don't just leave it alone. Be the bigger man. But he gave in and, you know, he regrets doing that. He deleted the tweet and everything. They're cool now, which is great. But there, there was a beef started from, uh, with one of my close friends over nothing started by Wilson. Um, let's see. What else did we get? Um, well, um, oh, another thing. So in preparation for the album, there is an album listening party that's going to happen on the 30th, like 30th into the 31st for the album drop. Um, it's his Rage and Peace Halloween party. Now I'm going to read you. I remember when he first put this out there, uh, his poster for it. He had a poster made for the for the show. Uh, looks like he deleted the post. Um, but apparently, originally he was doing a costume party and you had to RSVP for it. Uh, for the album release party, whatever. Um, best dressed wins $5,000 cash. Um, this man, from what I know, works a dead-end day job. Um, and, uh, well, actually, let me get into this real quick. That was maybe a month or two ago when he first put out the posters for it. He had already planned this out, had a poster for it, times, dates, everything um, for this party said, all right, five grand for the best dressed and like another 500 for second place or something like that. RSVP to be, you know, for the address. Sounds cool. Then he posted two days ago um, since apparently a hundred people RSVP'd to the party, he decided to add another 5K, making it 10 grand cash to the costume party winner. Um, throwing me off a little bit, uh, for one, as a small artist as he is, 10 grand is what you're willing to put into one person. Uh, not only is that such a horrible financial and business move for you being an artist, it's just, it's hollow. Um, also, where did you get that money? Are you dealing drugs on the side or something? Because... Whenever Limbo had asked him about the 5K, he said, no way you're doing this. Wilson said, and I'm, I'm quoting him, Starlight made, made waves, wa oh my goodness, sorry. Starlight made waves for me. Starlight is a recent single that came out for him uh, that I looked, I peeped yesterday again as I had thought about this. Only about 6,000 streams on Spotify. 6,000 streams is roughly equivalent to maybe 50 bucks. $50. Um, his biggest song has 160,000. 
whereas all the rest are maybe under 20,000 streams each. Um, 10, 10 grand on Spotify alone, you'd have to have over 1.5 million streams to have 10 grand earned from your music. So just as a point of reference, let me, it's just a, it's just funny to me. And second off with that, you really think the same dude that's going, that, that asked artists for money because he couldn't pay the church venue for a show that was in, in, uh, in preparation for his album, in promotion for his album, you really think the same dude that's asking for money is going to give away 10 grand that he probably doesn't even own himself to one person at a Halloween party? Really? You really think that's going to like go through? I highly doubt this is going to happen. Now, we'll see what goes on. Obviously, this is two days in advance, or well, t- it's tomorrow night that it's happening. So, if I'm wrong, I'll, be, I'll stand corrected. Sure, if he really does give 10 grand away, props to him for actually following through with something for once. But I am highly doubtful that he'll ever in his life do that or even have the ability to have 10 grand to do this. Um, now, now that I've covered all that, I'm going to cover the track list and how egregious it is. Um, or my sort of like meter on what's believable and what's not. I don't follow Jack Asher because, or Wilson, because I don't respect him at all as an artist or as a person. Um, I need to get that clear. I don't respect him as an artist or as a person because of everything I've heard about him and everything I've personally experienced with him uh, being on Instagram live and him directly affecting my best friends. Um, So let's go ahead and go down the track list. There are uh, 18 total tracks. Um... First track is called New World Order, uh, produced by Wilson and co-produced by TPR. I don't know who TPR is, so I will let that slide. I don't know who that is. Um, and I know Wilson does produce a bit, um, so there's nothing nothing suspicious there. Uh, second track is titled Re Colon Birth, uh, produced by Wilson and Yoko uh, Shimomura. I, don't, I also don't know who that is. Maybe I should probably get you know, get knowledgeable about it. But now here's where we get into the weird part. Track three is titled Ultrasonic, produced by Groovy Mars. I know who that is. Alan Ritter, rings a bell. Mike Dean, he has in all caps. Mike Dean. If you don't know who Mike Dean is, you ever heard of Donda? You ever heard of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy? You ever heard of, I don't know, Life of Pablo? You ever heard of Yeezus? You ever heard of uh, Jesus is King? Yeah. He's done a lot of production work for each and every one of those albums. Especially Donda and My Beautiful. And even Travis Scott. He's one of the most world-renowned producers out there because of his close ties with Kanye and his uh, instrumental genius. And as well as uh, 30 Rock and, and B-Corn. I, I don't know who that is, but apparently it's co-produced by Wilson and uh, Osric Tentacles. Uh, all those other names, I'll let it slide because I don't know who these people are, but the one name that I'm extremely skeptical about and even insulted by is Mike Dean. Two things here. Actually, well, let's go through the rest first before I get into my opinions. Track four is titled Dystopia, prod 905 Beats in Wilson. Um, 
Okay, cool. Track five is called HGF, uh, which I'm assuming stands for His Glory First because it's uh, featuring KB um, and his branding is His Glory Alone. Um, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'll, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming it's His Glory First. Um, it's produced by 905 Beats and Wilson, just like the previous track. It's featuring KB and Groovy Mars. Uh, and additional voices by Angie Luna. I don't know who Angie Luna is, by the way. Uh, track six is titled Move Back, produced by Groovy Mars, and additional production by Wilson. Believable, that's cool. Uh, number seven is called Bully, produced by Groovy Mars. Additional production by Q Beats. Uh, keep note of that. And additional voices by Travis Scott. Let that sink in. Additional voices by Travis Scott on track seven, Bully. I'm going to move on, but we're going to come back to all these. Track 8 is titled White Noise, produced by Wilson and August Burns Red. Uh, Okay. Uh, Track 9 is titled Davenport, produced by Wilson featuring Jude Barclay. That's believable. I know know Jude. I've talked to him before. He's cool. Um, Track 10, Unicorn Tears, produced by Wilson and Mike Dean. Track 11, Iridescence, produced by Groovy Mars, 40, also 40. Keep note of that. Wilson and Mike Zombie. Um, I don't know who Mike Zombie is, but I do know who 40 is, uh, which is the producer for uh, Drake. <laughs> Close ties with Drake. So, Track 12 is titled O2, produced by Wilson and Yoko Shimomura, featuring Lonnie Darko. Um, I know Lonnie Darko is a character from a movie uh, with... What's his name? You know what? Whatever. I don't remember. Um, Next track is uh, 13, titled Morphine Needles, produced by Wilson, featuring Angie Luna. Cool. Whatever. Uh, Number 14 is Your Smiles in Miami, part three, produced by Wilson. Cool. Uh, Track 15 is Breaking Point, produced by Angie Luna and Phineas, Billie Eilish's brother and sole producer, co-produced by Wilson. Number 16, Higher, produced by Groovy Mars and OZ. Uh, Co-produced by Wilson, featuring Angie Luna. Cool. Um, Track 17 is Kodo Motto, uh, produced by Groovy Mars, additional production by Wilson. Uh, And then track 18 is Shattered Leader, orchestrated and arranged by Wilson. So now that I've gone through all 18 tracks, we will go through their production credits and what these entail. So, Let's start at the top first. Track three, produced by Mike Dean. Really? You think that... Is that really believable at all? Putting Mike Dean on your production credits when you only have uh, 7.2K on Instagram and I doubt you have those connections. Highly doubt. In fact, it's nearly impossible with how big Mike Dean is. Just, it's nonsensical, dude. If we keep moving, he claims to have on track seven, Bully, Travis Scott's additional voices. Just like I said earlier, do you really think that's believable? Is that going to come off believable at all? That makes no sense. How does a dude How does Wilson himself and him being him, how, 
How does he have the audacity to put Travis Scott as additional voices? Now, okay, I need to point these out and then I'll, I'll come to my opinions. Oh my goodness. Just, there's a lot to unpack. So if we go to track 10, Unicorn Tears, produced by Wilson and Mike Dean, just like I said about Mike Dean earlier, how? And if we go to Iridescence, track 11, 40 has a production credit. 40 is a close tie with Drake as a producer. So keep that in mind, whatever. Uh, track 15, Breaking Point, has Phineas, Billy Eilish's brother, who's a one of the most creative producers out there right now, solely producing for uh, himself as well as Billie Eilish. And that's like it. That's all the... That's all the egregiousness that I've noticed. But to top that all off, by the way he put it, the way he posted it and put all of the production credits onto this post makes it seem like he's saying, oh, look, I've collaborated with these people for my album. These people collaborated and helped me with my album. Like it's nonchalant. Like he's just casually working working with these people. First, how? I will explain to you my theories with this. And I think they're pretty believable. Now there's, there's a couple if and then statements I gotta make. If he has the money for this. Which has already been disproven because of earlier. How he asked for money and is about to give 10k away. Supposedly for his Halloween release party. If he has the money to hire these people for his album legitimately, through their record labels, through their publishing, everything, or even sample clearance, where does he find these? And how is he being okayed to do this? How does he have these connections, being this small of an artist? Second if statement if he found samples, if he did sampling and is putting these on there without their knowledge, if this album does happen to gain a bit of traction in the music industry, instant sue by every single one of these noted people. Every single one of them. He's going to get hit with so many suits because of uncleared samples, stuff like that. Um, and third... I have a lingering feeling that when I listen to this album and I go and review it like any other album, that none of these people are going to be on here. That he's just put it on there for names. That, my friends, is the ultimate move for like dick riding, clout chasing. That the amount, like just the audacity is what I'm trying to get at here. The audacity of an artist who is trying their best, trying so hard to be someone that they're not, at any cost will mention people, will claim to have people on his music that most likely have never heard of this person. Also, he can look cool and actually feel legit about himself. 
All of this is so rooted in insecurity. Everything that I've mentioned so far in this podcast, there is so much insecurity going on within him. You can call it calling him out. I don't care. But I hope he does better. All the things that he's done is extremely egregious. And the names he's listed on his album is egregious. It angers me in such a way. It hits me in a certain way. Because I know that what he's doing is illegitimate. Not fair. His come up is not an origin story. His come up isn't even a come up. It's a fraud. It's a facade. And I, I don't know what else to say about that. Because there are just so, there's so much to say that I don't know what to say. About how egregious Wilson is. In the way he presents himself and his moves. Everything is so snake-like. Everything is so slithery, slimy, just illegitimate. What a fraud. I think the next part of this podcast will be me listening through and giving my legitimate um, opinion on it. Um, Because I'm going in with such a negative attitude, be prepared for me to give it a very low rating. Because this is my opinion. These are my opinions on this podcast. Um, yeah. I don't really know what else to say about this. Because I've already talked about all the events. I've already talked about the album and the history surrounding it. So I hope I've painted a decent picture of my feelings and my experiences of Wilson. And how much I don't respect him. and How much I don't respect him as a person slash artist. Uh, everything he does is cringe to me. Like his whole essence is just cringe because I know it's all rooted in, in insecurity when he can't just be himself. And I sure do feel bad for his girlfriend too. I've heard plenty of things about how their relationship is going and how he's kind of a, an a-hole to her and whatever. I won't even bring that in because that's, that's, Just a little too personal. I kind of want to stick to just him as a person and his artistry. Man, and everything he posts, you know, final thing I'll say is everything he posts on his Instagram, he he posts like he's Playboy Cardi and Kanye West and Travis Scott. And his aesthetic is still truly Travis Scott oriented. And yet, he claims to be his own his own artist in person. He's an impersonator. Fraud, facade, all of the above. Alright, I'm going to end this here. And we will wait about two days, a little less than two days for the album to come out. And then this, you know, this is going to transition right into the next part. I'll listen to the album and I'm going to give my review. I'm going to give it a CHH and Secular Review. Um, And I'm going to give my conclusions to my theories, whether they were proven or not, whether I believe that they actually came through with the supposed production credits. Introduce a transitionary element, whatever, 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 whatever. All right. So the album dropped. Today is currently November 1st. As I'm recording this, I listened through the album yesterday as it dropped. Um, in the car and in my earbuds wanted to make sure I get a good listen at all of it Um, and I've notated every thought I have as I usually do for an album review 
I have a summary of how I feel about it. Towards the end, I'll give it a CHH rating and a secular rating. Um, and then my, you know, my final thoughts. Um, but I also have other information I'd like to share too. Um, but for this half, I'll, I just want to go through the, uh, the notes so far. Um, so like I said, it's an 18 track album called Rage and Peace. Uh, most of it is produced by Wilson. Um, and I've already mentioned some of the production credits, uh, earlier in this podcast. So let's go ahead and go through the track list. So the first track is titled New World Order. Um, it was a very try-hard cinematic and deep intro. Um, something about his voice just doesn't come off as deep. Something about his delivery whenever he's trying to speak like through a, a what is it called? A, like a loudspeaker. It just doesn't come off as intelligent. It comes off as cringe wannabe uh visionary wannabe visionary type um there's not really much else to say i feel the production was pretty cool when it comes to trying to be cinematic uh it was doing a great job up until you know wilson's voice comes in and it kind of just ruins it for me um there's not really much else to say about it so i guess we'll go into the second one the second one is called re colon birth like it's called rebirth but it's just spelled re the colon symbol, birth in all caps. Um, <clears throat> well, you can hardly hear the vocals whatsoever. Um, this was quite the start to the album, if I may say, because it sounded like an anime opening coming in, right? Uh, very odd production. There was no bounce aspect. Uh, quote-unquote maybe hyperpop was going on I, I honestly could not tell because of how jumbled the production was and how I couldn't even hear the vocals and even the timing of it like the, the tempo that was going on didn't make sense to me um, and it really sounded like Walmart Travis Scott was on the track there was nothing really cool about it um, so I guess I'll go into the next one now this is where we get into some uh, some discrepancies uh, that I had talked about already that I'd previously mentioned that confirmed my theories. So track three is ultrasonic. Um, finally, there was some decent production going on. I enjoyed it, but it was terribly mixed. So it was like the instruments were standing out so much, like it wasn't a, an experience. Um, vocals were basically straight out of Astroworld, but worse. There was in fact a butterfly effect flow going on here and melody being copied come to my side when they show we go ride watch guys through my eyes i can't even see the time i can't even lie she see through me through my eyes and here's the travis scott version of butterfly effect but it's like i cannot change in the hills keep off in the main eminence we like candy cane any flow that was not the uh, butterfly effect flow was pretty lame. Um, if you look, if you listen to the second half of this song, uh, which I'll save you your time, you've heard it before. You've heard the second half before because it is literally like the stolen beat from the second half of Stargazing, and it literally samples Stargazing. Uh, 
And now here's where it was sampled from, from Stargazer. Do keep in mind, though, that he did pitch it down a lot. So here it is. Like, outright, there's no doctoring except for maybe it was just pitched down, but you could tell it was stargazing. Uh, the transitionary element, right? Like, the where the uh, the roller coasters are going and the kids are screaming, like, uh, in the ambience behind that, Homie straight up ripped it to use it as his own transitionary element into the track four, into Dystopia. Now, Dystopia is uh is quite the ride basically uh it is stargazing's second half an exact copy this is the main basis for the second half of stargazing i'm about to play dystopia for you and compare the difference The only thing that's changed is the lead. The lead is actually more annoying than the original Stargazing second half lead. And it uh, just the, the drums are correct. The drums are the exact same. Uh, same flows and key coming from, uh, from Wilson. Here's Wilson's version, and I'll compare it to Travis Scott's Stargazing version. It's just different words. Homie tried so hard to be Travis Scott in this track. I can promise you he can be easily sued if he was on Travis's radar. I am being serious here. He would be shredded online, like horribly. We've seen this happen before with multiple different clones in the past. Um, I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, that's, that's like just telling you how wrong this is, how wrong whatever he's doing is. Um, <clears throat> there's not much else to say about the song because there's no creative there's there's no creativity in it it's just a straight rip uh, moving on to track 5 HDF which apparently means holy ghost fire holy ghost fire yeah holy ghost fire yeah quote unquote features KB um it starts off the track with uh a KB quote unquote feature using a 2 second voice message um I have it on high regards that this was just a voice message and homie wanted to say, oh, I got a KB feature. No, it's not a valid feature. 
Um, I'm hereby unverifying that feature. You brought all the energy we needed, bro. Freaking rage conductor. Because it is not a feature. It is a voice message, a two-second voice message in the beginning of a song. And to my knowledge, this wasn't even for his album. Wilson had appeared as an extra on one of KB's music videos, and I assume that this was kind of an exchange uh, through iMessage over planning or something. Other than that, uh, the chorus was horrible. Homie kept repeating Holy Ghost Fire with a certain tone that made me cringe to my core. Holy Ghost Fire. Yeah. Holy Ghost Fire. Yeah. Lead a demon show with that Holy Ghost Fire. I cannot explain it unless you go and hear it. Um, <clears throat> it is very cringe. Uh, uh, the rest of the song, other than the chorus, was just boring lyricism, something that I could have easily predicted from him. Uh, and the way he pronounces anarchy is hilarious. He goes, anarchy? He says anarchy, and it's like funny to me for some reason. Um, and at the very end of the song, he uh, <clears throat> has a cliched slowed down ending where he takes the entire track, slows it down, tries to make it a vibe but it doesn't work in this context, especially after the atrocity that was the beginning of this track. So there's nothing much else to say about that. Track six is called Move Back. Um, the beginning consists of very annoying humming, uh, trying to be Travis Scott slash Kid Cudi. Um, the lower octave that shows up quite frequently underneath Wilson's normal vocals is quite annoying and overbearing. Uh, in the mix, it was not good. Uh, in his lyrics, he had mentioned about selling out shows. And uh, immediately, my first thought is, you, <laughs> the shows I've seen him do, uh, in fact, you know, did not sell out. They were church venues, and they were maybe 10 people. So I just thought that was funny. There was a weird flow that he did, a weird little little artistic thing where he uh, said gold but stretched it out a lot you know I'll play it right here other than that it's still lame flows uh, and again, trying to be Travis very hard. The seventh track is titled Bully. Uh, like I had mentioned earlier, this track supposedly in the production credits had additional voices by Travis Scott. That additional voice is just a Travis Scott concert sample of like him talking to the crowd. But one thing I do hate is like a privileged section. Y'all got like the best seat in the house, right? But y'all like chill. It's like, because there's no Rangers in your field, y'all feel like y'all can be more relaxed and enjoy the show. Well, I don't like when you just like stand and look. I like when you just feel, just rage all goddamn day. You know what I'm saying? Cause like after this song, if I don't just feel moved, I'm gonna have to remove y'all and fill it up. You know what I'm saying? There was a Baby Keem reference from Donda. It was a flow for uh, for Still Outside off of Praise God. 
Um, so already flow stealing again from someone else. There's also lame lyricism when it comes to that. And it was, you know, it was decent production. I can't lie. It was, it was not, not bad mixed. It was pretty good. Uh, I don't know who produced this one. I'd have to go back to the production credits, but props because it was pretty decent. <clears throat> Track eight is white noise. Uh, in fact, like I'd rather listen to white noise than this track full on. Uh, the beginning consists of what seems to be a wannabe rock star playing some lame guitar. Tried to hit a solo, but did not do very well. The drum samples are obviously MIDI, uh, which it was trying to be as cinematically uh, metal as possible. And it really sounded like someone was trying to use GarageBand for the first time. And it still doesn't carry Travis energy. There was a switch. There was a switch that went to um, where Wilson was rapping. And um, and it was just like a switch up. You know what I mean? It had normal trap samples coming in that you'd expect from him. But the energy still wasn't there. It's less than good production. Uh, it was... There were screams. There was a scream bit that came in towards the end of the song. Um, where it's it's in the, the, the trap drum part, and then out of nowhere it cuts to back to the beginning, the rock version of it, where it had the guitars and the drums, and then there was a, a scream that lasted for like 10 to 15 seconds. And it sounded so horrible. I don't know who mixed this, but it was god awful. Someone did something wrong. The vocals were the the scream was too loud to where you couldn't hear anything else. You can barely make out the snare drum. Just terrible attempt at trying to be metal. Um, and it abruptly goes back into normal production. And that's pretty much all I got to say about that one. Track nine is titled Davenport. <clears throat> Finally, there were some catchy melodies going on, but it was pretty overdone. Uh, basic writing, yet again, it holds no meaning. Uh, you can't hear the second verse over the effects and the beat, um, but the only redeemable thing about this track, and probably the, the entire album, is Jude Barclay's verse. Jude Barclay killed his chorus slash feature. Um, I don't know what he was doing. I, I've heard from other people, like, I, di I didn't make this connection because I don't listen to Sway Lee, but people were saying that Jude kind of sounded like Sway Lee. In my opinion, I really enjoyed it. Jude, you did really good. Um, absolutely bodied Wilson. Uh, and at the end, there's another yet another slowdown thing that doesn't fit. It's kind of lame. Uh, basically, the only cool thing about this track was Jude Barclay's verse. He, he really rode the production very well. Um, track uh, 10 is called Unicorn Tears. Uh, starts off with a very cringe first verse. There's more boring lyricism. Um, then straight rips a no bystanders type flow. And again, the same Travis ad libs are there where he's trying to mimic it. 
sounds like Trippy Red for some reason uh, towards the middle of the track. He, I don't know, something about his tone of voice plus the auto tune. It just, it's very strange. It's mostly a solid track, but it's still pretty dang cringe. Um, track 11 is titled Iridescence. And this is where we get really, really tricky because he straight up samples the piano from the beginning of Started From The Bottom by Drake. And now here's Iridescence. And he loops it. He does something to it in the beginning, but like, you can tell it started from the bottom uh, pretty, pretty apparently. Um, again, more lame lyricism. Um, he also references the cacti drink made by Travis Scott. There's a weird cut going on. Um, and it had like a very long and drawn out ending. At this point in the album, I started to feel like this is a bloated album. 11 tracks in, already too long of an album. And I've realized that I still have seven tracks more to go. Um, <clears throat> so this is, yeah. Let's just move on. Track 12 is titled O2, like Zero Two. Uh, there is catchy production in here, but it's still pretty mid overall. Something I would expect a Travis clone to do. Um, highest in the room drums and lyrics being ripped here. Um, there's also an annoying shaker that was going on throughout the track that I was like, why didn't you make the, mix this down a little more? Please mix it down. And there were some pretty odd mixing choices vocally and instrumentally. There's not really much else good to say about this track. Um, track 12 is titled Morphine Needles. Uh, off the jump, this is first. This is his girlfriend, Angie. Angie's first feature on this track, if we're going chronologically. Angie already has a better voice than Wilson. I really sure hope that she's proud of him for, for this album. Um, and there was something genuinely catchy on this project coming from uh, from Wilson. Um, and like Angie combined. They kind of did something really cool, but that's it. Uh, the, it's the probably the only redeemable thing of this album, except for Jude Barclay's verse. It's still pretty lame writing, however. <clears throat> Track 14 is Your Smiles in Miami Part 3. Uh, I feel there's too much ad-lib presence, and the auto-tune in this track is somewhat ear-piercing. Uh, so you might want to turn that crap down, you know what I mean? Uh, pretty mid-melody, there's nothing too interesting going on with that. Again, Angie's vocals are better than Wilson, but you know, there's still decent production. Um, track 15 is Breaking Point. So it starts off with Angie coming in, still sounding really good, but then for out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Wilson comes in with an intense amount of distortion. I'm telling you, when I first heard this, when, when Wilson first came in with his distortion, I started cracking up. His voice covered the entire mix to where you couldn't hear anything else, and it was just mumbling. Angie came in clutch and saved the track because she's mostly on it. Uh, kind of done with the lower octave vocals at that point. This track really ruined having lower octave vocals underneath your main vocals. Um, the guitar on this track towards the end is on point though. I gotta say, like, good mixing on that. Um, still whack mixing choices overall. 
and it probably feels like the last track, but we'll get to that later. Um, track 16 is titled Higher. Pretty mid-production. Uh, whatever this is, um, there's no interesting flows and a very long and unneeded outro. Um, going into track 17, Kodomato. Uh, probably the worst production uh, or like the most bare minimum, bare, eff- bare minimum effort put in uh, for production on this album. I could honestly overall compare this track to any nav track ever just mid that's it devoid of inspiration and boring overall horrible writing just all of the above there's nothing much else to say about that track and the last track of the album track 18 is called shattered leader um now this this caught me off guard the the entire track it uh it samples the same piano sample as Face My Fears by Hikaru Utana and Skrillex. Now here's Wilson's Shattered Leader. And the entire track has a hard reliance on autotune. You know, I have no problem with autotune, but this was just too much. This wasn't artistic at all. It was just relying on it to sound good. Um, it's the most stereotypical interpretation of defeat and calling out to God. And honestly, I found more emotion from Holby on Christopher, and I gave that a secular 4 out of 10. So if that says anything, there it is. So that's all of the tracks. And I hope you understand what I mean when it comes to the sampling and all of the uh, illegalness about this album. Everything in it. Or, well, all of the illegal sampling. Whatever. Um, but here's my uh, my summary. How I feel about it. And my overall ratings, CHH and Secular. I have many words to say about this abomination of a project. Mostly devoid of any creativity whatsoever. A very, very bloated project. It did not need to be over an hour long. Top half was atrocious with, with mixing and just a huge reliance on autotune overall. But that's also if we take out the obvious Travis Scott clone aspect. Autotune is great when used right, but just ruined. It was just ruined throughout this project. I have to give props for him for being so shameless and shadowing Travis and everything Cactus Jack, the sound and image he puts forth. This has to be the worst album I've heard this year, and I don't understand how anyone who knows Travis and Wilson would choose Wilson over Travis with this atrocity. The attempt at Travis's energy is extremely hard to accomplish, I will admit, but Wilson misses the bar by 20,000 leagues underneath. All I ask is that he finds a way to break away from the death grasp on the Cactus Jack image and finds his own lane, and especially become more creative with his message. And for everyone that listens to this, if you're an artist, do not include AAA names in your production credits when clearly 
they're just voice recordings when clearly you didn't have permission to include these things in there. And especially ripping big people's songs off and basing entire tracks off of them, like Wilson does. I give this a CHH 2 out of 10 and a Secular 0 out of 10. By far the worst album I've heard this year from anybody that I've listened to. Now my last notes for this review, how are we allowing this to happen? How is we within CHH, I'm kind of on the outside here. I'm trying to make myself as objective as possible, uh, according to my opinions, whatever. Uh, how, how, how is this happening? How, like, just how are we allowing Wilson to keep doing this? I'm seeing praise for his music. I'm seeing praise. And it could be one of two things. Either it's because he's spreading the word of Christ through his music that people are allowing this. Or the people who are listening to this don't know who Travis Scott is and think it's completely original. Either they're delusional or they write him off because they don't know who Travis Scott is. Uh, Also, notating what just happened as well. Uh, he was trying to put out. Um, he, I, I have a screenshot of it, but it's a, uh, it's a post where he had said he'll be giving out free Rage and Peace merch packs to everyone who puts uh, his album cover as their profile pic and share it. There's a lot of people who put put it as their profile pic, and I was told that a lot of people had put it as their profile picture before even listening to the album. Putting this blind faith in an artist is very dangerous. And it's also without Wilson giving valid grounds of faith in his own artistry. Wilson is not Kanye, who has 20 years in the music industry and who is a well-known genius. It's different to have Kanye uh, get a bunch of people to put uh, Donda, like the, the album art, just the black screen as people's profile pictures, Um, Because it's a movement. There's actual meaning to it. And also it's because there's a purpose to everything. We've we've known this for 20 years. But when Wilson tries to do the same thing, there are no valid grounds to do this. Another thing is the difference between admitted to inspiration. There is a huge difference between copying and inspiration. It is more noble of you to straight rip someone and admit that, hey, this is a style I'm trying to experiment with. I'm trying to be more creative and make it more of myself, but this is what I came up with. If he had said this before dropping the album and doing that interview, whatever, I would have been like, okay, then then you're getting there. But nowhere does he ever say that he is a Travis Scott. Like his Travis Scott is an influence. It is so blatant in his music, but it's not blatant like it should be in in his word. It is so sad to me that this is how it is. It is insulting to see someone who clones a secular artist get more attention and praise over someone who actually works hard on their craft to be original and be creative. There is a very huge difference in inspiration and copying. That's all I have for this because it's just how are we allowing this to happen? 
after all of all of this, everything that I've heard, everything I've talked about, everything you've heard throughout this this uh, this podcast. Oh my goodness, there needs to be a change in listener base. There needs to be something happening. We can't give him a pass for this. This is illegal. What he's doing, it is copyright infringement. Anyways, let's see. Um, I think one of the last things I need to talk about in this is the post where Wilson had put on his Snapchat as well as on his Instagram feed of a screenshot of his Apple Music stats where he had said, and I quote, Apple Music in less than 24 hours. Man, I'm crying tears of joy. I love every single one of you guys from the bottom of my heart and soul. Thank you guys for everything. Rage and peace out now. Now, if you would like to see the screenshot, click the hyperlink in the description of this podcast and it'll take you to a Google Doc of this screenshot. Um, But this is obviously doctored, what he had put on his feed and on his Snapchat. I myself am an artist who has access to Apple Music for Artists, the app. What he has done is taken a screenshot cropped the top out where on the top right it should give a duration of time where the uh, where it'll um, show the data that you're trying to look for like it can go for four weeks it can go eight weeks I think six months a year and then lifetime if I'm correct so what it says here is he's on his artist page he's not on the album page the artist page and it says 221.1 thousand plays I can guarantee you that there, like, this is the number of plays in his lifetime on Apple Music. And he just doctored it to only show, only make it seem like it was for the album in uh, 24 hours. So if we were to take a look at his Spotify to compare, all right, let's look. Rage and peace. Nothing from rage and so right now this is the the uh, the data period for rage and peace should already be updated um, when it comes to his top tracks. It, nothing from rage and peace is in this top five. That should say something. That really should say something. Also, Apple Music has less amount of users than Spotify. If you really had, if he really had this cultural um, following, his Apple Music stats would be less than his Spotify stats. If that makes any sense, because of the uh, the software number of users, Spotify has leagues more of people than Apple Music. So if he had a following on Apple Music, it should carry over number wise into into Spotify. Um. So that already is just more proof in my eyes that this is doctored fake. Um, let's see. Yeah, it, with Apple Music, it's easily it, you're easily able to hide your stats from people because on Spotify, you're able to uh, listeners are able to see the the stream counts if they're above a thousand streams. Uh, for any of your songs, especially desktop users. Desktop users can go and click on an album and actually see the amount of plays per track, whereas you cannot see any stats of an artist if you're a listener on Apple Music. So I wanted to put that out there. 
Why did he choose Apple Music that, uh, rather than Spotify for his stats? There you go. Because it's easily hideable. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, there really is not much else to say about this overall. It's just annoying. I want to see Wilson grow in creativity. I want to see him move on from this grasp that he has on Cactus Jack. I want him to be himself. There's obvious insecurities going on. And I, I pray to see him thrive in other genres and just being himself rather than trying to clone. And I want to see a change in the listener base. I want y'all to realize that what he's doing is not right and find some other artists to listen to. In fact, listen to Travis Scott rather than Wilson because Travis Scott has the energy and it's hard to replicate. Anyways, um, I appreciate you all for listening. Uh, keep in mind, this is all my opinion. There are times where I'll be as objective as possible, like with this review, but this entire podcast and its meaning is my opinion. So, yeah. Um, thank you all for listening to the Note Extraction Podcast, and I will see you sometime else.